Stand to your feet. We're going to read Philippians chapter 1. I did this in like 15 minutes, first service. What do I got? I got 22 minutes now. Philippians chapter 1, 18, starting in verse 18. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Did you hear what he just said? If I'm going to be alive on this earth, it's going to be because of Jesus Christ. If I die, that's better off. If I'm going to go and live in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. So you got to remember, we talked about Paul's in chains. He, is, he has been imprisoned. He's towards the end of his life, the end of his ministry. He realizes that, that it's starting to wrap up a little bit here. And, and he's saying, man, he, he wrote another letter to a church to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And he's, he's having an honest moment here where he's saying, man, it'd be better off for me to be with Jesus. That's, that would be really sweet right now. I do not like being chained up. So he's saying, what, what will I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what he's prepared for us. Paul knew that. So now listen to what he says in verse 24. This is, I believe, one of the most important verses in all of this letter. One of the most important sentences. If you can underline it, if you can highlight it in your Bible app, if you can just remember this. Verse 24, he says, but it is more necessary for you that I remain. He says, it's more necessary for you that I remain. He says, convinced of this, I will, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we know your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You promised to make it straight. So we pray, Lord, that you would enlighten us today, change the way we think. And Lord, when you change the way we think, it'll change what we do, and it will change our circumstances. And so, Lord, we pray that today would be the beginning of something different in our lives because we were in your word together. We thank you for it. We honor you because of it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. I was looking. We, we have a church management software. We count things. We do. Uh, if you don't measure it, you don't know, honestly, where you're at, do you? I stopped measuring my waist a while ago. But I found out in our, in our, within our church that there's 200 out of the people that come here. We have 280 in, in, our, in our software that are under the age of 18 in our church. The, the largest demographic we, group we have in our church is 4 to 11-year-olds. I was just, I'll stand here until you clap. We got 20 more minutes. 4 to 11-year-olds. 
Now here's where I want to also realize is that like the next largest group is 30, like 36 to 42 year olds. And so what I realized was you guys are getting it done. Some of you will get that after church is over when you go back and watch the thing. If there's a lot of 4 to 11 year olds and the 36 and up people are doing what God said, multiply, fill the earth. Amen? You should give yourselves a hand. You figured it out. (laughs) Where do we go from there? Paul here did a really, really... Paul is giving an example of something that we all need to learn how to do. I, I put a thing on social media that I don't, I don't post as very often, and so you should like it when I do. <laughs> but I said, um, God paints your picture, but you get to p- choose the frame. It says the, righteous, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. It said that he will... Be the lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that he'll make it straight, that, that he will, that he will take curvy roads and make them straight, that he will direct our steps, the Bible says. But oftentimes, we don't frame what he's painting very well. And so, don't mistake what Paul is saying at all, that God didn't direct him to where he was. The thing was, is he inherently knew that it was the will of God for him to be where he was in the condition he was in. And what he was able to do was he was able to realize that and then frame it in a way that would benefit everybody that read the letter. So he said, in the context of my life, I'm in chains. You can imagine at his age, he had suffered shipwreck, multiple beatings, uh, he had been bitten by a poisonous snake. All these crazy things had happened to him. You, he was sick and God, he had a body, a physical ailment and God didn't heal him. So you can imagine all these things added up, the aches and pains of his body, and then add to that being incarcerated and in chains on a constant basis. And so he's having this discussion with himself and he's writing it for the benefit of others. And he's saying, he's saying, I'll be honest with you, I'm torn between whether I want to stay here or go. Going would be way better right now. I feel every ache and pain. This old body has been beaten up more than normal. And the idea of being with Christ in an instant is so appealing to me. He's saying, it's far better actually than what I'm going through right now. But what Paul was able to do is he was able to frame his life in a way that still in his condition caused people to look at it in a positive light. So he said, it's become obvious to everyone around me in the palace guard. It's become obvious in chapter one, he says, that I'm here for the gospel. That these chains are to advance the gospel. He said, it's become obvious to everybody. So what often happens in our lives, we find ourselves in God-ordained circumstances that we don't like and we frame it wrong. Well, I'm, I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not, I'm not happy in my job. And, and we, can, we can 100% acknowledge that, God, that, that in one season God got us the job, but now it's become difficult, and anything difficult is not from God. You called that baby beautiful when it was born. When it turned four, you wanted to kill it. You're like, where'd the demon show up in our house? 
So God walks us down a certain path, and then he gives us the ability to frame it, whether it's positive or negative. And Paul took what anyone else would have considered an end-of-life death sentence and just wrote a letter saying, well, it looks like it's over. I can't do any more. I'm in chains. This is not, this is not the way I planned for it to all shake out. I'm an apostle. I, I, like, why would God do this to me? And he was able to frame it in a way that other people could learn. He said, I know that I'm in chains for the sake of the gospel. And it's become obvious the longer I'm here, the more the gospel goes forward. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe, maybe you are in a situation that is difficult. Maybe, maybe you're waking up every morning dreading going to work. Frame that in a way that the gospel receives honor. Frame it in a way that God receives glory. Lord, you lit my path and you were a light, you were a light in front of me and I got here and now that it's difficult don't let my mind wander off to what could have been come on you've heard people do that before right well man if I'd have took that other job man if I'd have done that if I'd I'd have been here if I'd have been there Paul never said anything like that matter of fact we've already covered later on he said I forgot all that stuff back there I know I'm where I'm at for the reason God wants me here now watch what he does We all have the ability to run, by the way. Did you realize that? You can quit any moment of the day. You're like, no, I can't. Yes, you can. You could quit right now. You could ring your, ring your phone, your boss up on your phone right now, and you could say, take this job and, some of you don't know that. I ain't gonna say the rest of it, but. We've been given free will to do pretty much whatever we want we live in a country that backs that up and and so we we are in circumstances and we have the ability to run paul said i would rather be with christ right now he said that's an option that's an option i have i can run off i can forget this whole gospel going forward matter of fact i can forget the people i'm writing this letter to It could be my last letter. Hey guys, I'm checking out. It's over. I'm going to be with Christ. Thank you for your support. (laughs) Please send all funds to Peter. (laughs) You know how missionaries do it. (laughs) I'm not doing this more, but if you send it to this guy, he'd be really appreciative. So what he says is, I have the choice right here. I have the choice not to do this anymore. I have the choice. And to be honest with you, deep down inside, I don't, I'd rather be with Jesus. Because I know in an instant, in a blink of an eye, my body won't hurt anymore. These chains won't be wearing holes in my wrist. I know that it will be beyond my comprehension to even fathom how good it will be. I'll be honest with you, I don't want to do this anymore. But then Paul Write some of the most important things that I think you could ever say in your life. And I'll be honest with you, as as a parent, Beth and I realize, and and maybe, hopefully not too late, our our oldest daughter is in in Morgantown right now in college, and um, and I I just, I started talking to some friends that, that, that don't, they don't go to church here and they do go to church, but you know, they're not pastors. And, and I remember his daughter was a year older than mine. And I remember him saying, man, there's just so many things. I feel like I need to tell her right before she leaves. And I'm just like, come on, don't. And he just felt this anxiety that he hadn't prepared. And I started feeling that. And I started asking myself this. Well, Chris, what do you want? 
What do you think God wants when they get out of the house and go on their own? And I felt, I felt this weight of, okay, if my kids grow up, go into society, and they don't become criminals. Hallelujah. Amen. But here's what I, here's what I realized. That God had not called me just to raise well-adjusted kids that contribute to society. God has called us as the church to raise a generation behind us that will advance the gospel farther than us. So it's not just in my kids, oh, they got a good job, they had a good family, they, they you know, they, whatever. No. I, the weight of the gospel is that I receive grace and so I pass that same grace down to my kids in a way where they want it. And then they want to advance it. Did you hear what I said there? There's a key part. I, I passed that grace down to my kids in a way that they wanted it. So watch this. Paul could have said this just as easily. You know what? The gospel got me in these chains. And I'm pretty irritated with God right now. I've been beat up. I've been shipwrecked. I had a stupid snake jump out and bite me on the hand. And then I shook the thing off, didn't even get sick from it. But it still bit me. So you forget that it actually bit him. You're like, oh, he shook it off. It still bit him. He could have said, ah, but I'm, I guess I'm just going to tough it out. I guess I'm just going to see where God tagged. Just going to tough it out and see what happens. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I could be stuck here the rest of my life. I have no idea. Do you see how we frame things? Frame our life. Wake our kids up in the morning. Hey, your mother wants to take us to church. I don't want to go any more than you do. Hey, I know we stayed up last night, but it's what we got to do. It's a... well, if we didn't give so much money to the church, you'd get a new bike this Christmas. Just blame it on God. But Paul did this thing where he said, you know what? I'm actually not going to complain about this because I realize that my experience in this moment in my life is actually for the benefit of others. And so he framed it in a totally different way. He framed it in a positive way so that the people coming up behind him, when they experienced hardship, they would have a way to frame it. When they experienced uh, pain in their life, they'd have a way to frame it. And so he was leading in a difficult situation, looking back, going, hey, listen, I'm going to frame this in a way that other people will want it. Is the gospel difficult at times? Absolutely. But guess what? The whole palace garden, everybody around here knows the gospel's going forward. I got a smile on my face. Don't doubt my commitment. We're going to keep going. It's awesome. God is being glorified. Don't put your head down. Put your head up. Come on, I'm cheering you on. Listen, that's totally different than dragging people to church. I'm afraid that they're... I, I grew up in church my whole life, and I remember the conversations about people. I remember the negativity, and I remember when people didn't agree with the pastor and, and, and didn't, you shouldn't do that, by the way. I, but I remember it being framed in a way that was always negative, and I got to an age in my life where I didn't want it anymore. I don't want what you have the way you have it. And so I look back at the generation following us, 
And I'm asking myself a question. Am I framing the path that God laid out for me in a way that my kids will want it? Am, am, I, am I conducting my life in a way where grace and mercy has ministered to me in such a way that I can now look back and my, kid go, my kids go, man, I want that. I want that church. I want to keep going. I, not only do I want that church, I want to propagate it. I want to take it farther. I want to take it wider. I want to keep going with this thing. I saw the way God led mom and dad, and I saw them frame every difficulty in such a way. I saw them stay because of me. Now watch. This is the magic of what he's telling us here. He says, man, I got the option. I could check out right now. It'd be way better. But he said, because of you, I will stay. Because of you, I will stay. You, you know what I find out? That Paul, that Paul was more concerned about the generation's potential than his prosperity. Did you hear me? He was more worried about the potential of the people coming behind him than he was about his own comfort. Married couple, can I tell you there will be seasons in your life where you do want to gouge each other's eyes out. But your kids will not be normal when you do that. If you want to raise gospel-oriented kids, quit whining. You're sharp. Figure it out. Everybody's really nervous now. (laughs) Paul says, listen, I will stay in this condition because of you. And I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to woe is me about it. I'm not going to. It's a, it's bigger than us. This thing doesn't end with us. When we, when we shut our eyes for the last time, it, the gospel doesn't stop. We're not the last generation to receive the gospel on the earth. It's going to keep going. And the question will be, well, did I live a life in such a way? Did I stay to invest in the ones behind me or did I just let it go? In second Kings, it, there's a description of, of how the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, out of slavery and bondage, and they had wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. Now they've conquered the promised land. Now they're in the place that God had finally designed for them to be and intended for them to be at the beginning. And guess what? It says one generation after they showed up, after God had done all these miracles in their life, after God had miraculously conquered Jericho and all these other cities for their benefit, one generation later they didn't serve God. I'm scratching my head and I'm going, how in the world did that happen? Paul said, I don't care how much pain I've got to walk through. I'm staying because of you. I will stay and work it out because of you. Because I know if I stay, it will be beneficial to you. And so I want to ask you this. How many times have you stayed at a job that you didn't like because of somebody else? How many times have you stayed in a marriage? That was a bad bad example how many times have you stayed in marriage well there's six so far how many times did you have the option to leave you know God's looking for people that in the most difficult situations that they don't think about their own prosperity they look down and go hey listen I need to be living a life that the guy behind me will chase I need to be living a life that my kids are going to want to live later on. I realize with our oldest daughter, we we went up a couple months ago and had lunch with her. We started talking. Uh, Beth and I have been small business owners for four years now. 
And it hadn't necessarily been easy the whole time. And I said something, like our philosophy about the gospel going forward is that, is that we've taught our kids, hey, go, go get a degree in something they'll pay you anywhere in the world to do. And, and then, then you don't have to make up an excuse or get support to go do it. You just go to another country, do it, they'll pay you, and you take the gospel with you. I learned that from a Kenyan guy. And, and so she said, man, I really think I want to do this engineering thing. I said, Madeline, you're going to get more opportunities to travel than you ever could dream. You can take the gospel with you, take the gospel with you. And I made the mistake of saying something at lunch. I said, hey, you, should, you could own your own business. She went, I ain't doing that. And I said, what you, well, what do you mean? Man, I've seen what you and mom dealt with. I'm not, there's no way. I went, whoa, 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 whoa. And I instantly realized that we had framed difficulty in the way that she didn't want it. And I thought, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for talking about a blessing that was difficult in a way that my kids didn't want to chase it. Forgive me, Lord, for not operating in your grace at a level that my kids wanted the same thing I had. Forgive me, Lord. And Paul said, I'll endure whatever I have to endure because of you. I'll stay. I'll stay and I'll frame it in a way that you'll want it. I'll frame this grace in a way that you're going to, that you want more of it than I have. I am staying here for your benefit. And he said, I'll stay for your benefit. And I know it'll bring glory and honor to God. More than him leaving would bring glory and honor. He said, I'll stay and invest. And there'll be people behind me to take up the mantle. So watch this. It's a story in 2 Kings. The prophet named Elijah. He's coming to the end of his life. Only he's not going to die like us. He's going to get taken up in a chariot of fire. And it's going to be crazy. Man, if that could happen, it would be awesome. <laughs> Man, kids show up. Show up next week. Be at the house. Dad's going up in a chariot of fire. Maybe they could cremate me just in front of everybody. It would look the same. So what happens is this. Elisha is following him. Elijah tells him three times, hey, just stay here in this town. They're in the first, he says, stay here in this town. He said, no, I'm not staying. I'm following you. They get to the next town. A bunch of group of prophets come to him and they say, he said, hey, don't you know? Don't you know your boss is going to be taken up? And he says, yeah, I know about it. Shut up. I'm following him. Well, it's no use. He's going to be taken up. They get to the next town. Elijah says, hey, stay here. He says, I'm not staying here. I'm following you. I told you. And then they get to the third town. All this stuff keeps happening. And Elisha says, I want double what you have. He wasn't talking about material possessions. He didn't look at him and say, man, I want a house twice as big as yours. He says, this thing that God put in you, I want double. And Elijah said, if you see me when I'm taken up, you'll have it. So you know what he did? He made sure he was there. He made sure he was there. And so I want to ask you this morning, are we living our lives in such a way as a church where our kids are coming up behind us and they're saying, man, I want double what mom and dad have. I've seen God's, I've seen God's hand work through their life. I've seen them tackle things with no fear. I've seen them frame things in a way that have, that, that look terrible and, and stand up with grace and mercy and say, man, God is leading us. We will be grateful. And they go, I want double that. I want double that. And we're raising up another generation that's going to come up behind us and we'll be blown away how far the gospel goes because of them. Amen. But here's the thing. It's not too late. You say, well, all my kids are grown. 
So switch it up. So just talk to him different. Admit some things. Dude, do whatever it takes. Paul wasn't talking to little kids. He was talking to adults. It's never too late. If, you, if you're on your last leg, you still have a chance to invest in the ones coming behind you. You still have an opportunity. And so the burden is on us as a church. Back to the shell game. We saw last week when the hermit crab, the big one jumped out into a shell. The one behind him jumped into his. Jump into a shell. One behind him jumped into his. And my prayer is that this church and this generation would live for the gospel in such a way that as soon as we jump out of this shell and into the next one, the ones behind us would go, man, I'm getting in that one. I'm getting in that one. I'm jumping in that shell. That we're not going to miss a beat. I'm waiting on them to get out of the way. I mean, they're not waiting on us to die, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> man, I'm waiting on mom and dad just to get out of the way so I can go for the gospel. So I can do it. So I can do it. And raise up a generation that wants double. You know that story about Elijah and Elisha? That thing happened. He picked up where Elisha left off, put the mantle on, and he carried it on. And he did double the miracles that Elijah did. And I pray that this church could not only reach the generation we're in right now, as far and wide as God would send us, but there'd be, there'd be a group of people behind us because we stayed. Because we said, it's not about my comfort or prosperity. It's about making sure that you get the gospel in a way that you will want it. It's about making sure that the church is presented in a way that you'll want it, that you won't cast it off, that you won't, that you won't just say, I don't need all that stuff. But we've lived our lives in such a way and framed it in such a way that, hey, we're staying, we're going to invest in you, and this is something worth giving your life for. Amen? Come on, could you stand? I'm going to pray for you, but I want to do something really quick. We're, we're uh, running over just a little bit, but Pastor Don Webb is here, and I want him to come up front for a second. Can you do that? Come up on stage. Now listen. Mark said some really nice things about me, but uh, most of them he will get paid for. I've worked with this guy for 16 years, and uh, he's been the most gracious person to, to me in my life. He's been way nicer than Mark. <laughs> he essentially let me grow up here. I think I was 24 when you got here, right? Something like that. My kids were all little, real little. Ah, actually, some of them weren't even born yet, yeah. And um, he's let me make mistakes. He's let me correct them. He's let me make mistakes and some of them never got corrected. And I started thinking about this the other day. You know, people oftentimes think about the context of transition. They think about it always in the, in the light of the guy moving up. They think about it in the light of, man, how, how difficult is it to go from here to there? And I would have people come up to me like, how's the transition going? Is anything like what's happening? You know, what's caught you off guard? Is it difficult? And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what to say right now. And they're always concentrating on like the next guy coming up, the next guy coming up. But one thing that I've learned in the past year is that I think it's more difficult for the guy stepping into the next shell. I think it's actually more difficult to make space for the person behind you. I think it's more difficult sometimes when we have the idea that our kids are going to outdo us. I think it's, I think it's hard for us to fathom sometimes. 
that there's a generation coming up that if we do what we do right, that they're going to be double, twice as good as we are. And so, so Pastor Don created space and did it in such a way, just kept rolling. And, and, they were, and he, I had people coming up to me saying, he's still going to come to this church? And I went, why wouldn't he? You probably did the same thing, didn't you? You had people coming up to you saying the same thing. They said, it's crazy. Why would you do that? And I don't know. He got in his own shell. So something happened. I don't even know if, if you know this happened. Something happened. We were at a minister's retreat a couple weeks ago. And I'm telling you right now, my wife will tell you, I have stupid, like, like, snot tear cried probably five times in our marriage in 21 years not many so what happened was this is about this is a year kind of a year anniversary of the transition and uh, we were at minister's retreat and a guy had given a good I don't even remember what it was I don't know if you remember so he comes up to me puts his arm around me like this and he says man you're doing a good job he said I'm proud of you and I don't know if you realize it or not, but I just went. <laughs> he made it easy. Like, it, yeah. So watch this. So listen, a good quarterback passes the ball in such a way, hands the ball off in such a way that you can't help but take it that if you drop it, it's all on you. And he did that for me. He passed the ball in such a way that I didn't have any, I, like it was just, man, he just jammed it in my, you're going to hold on to this one. And there, there was no, there was no part of it that, that was like, ah. Oh. He just grew to the next shell and made space for the ones coming behind us. And so, I want to thank you this morning, and Beth and I have a card for you and Linda, and, and um, for being my pastor. And and I want to challenge you as a church. How can we do it in a way that the next generation can't help but take the ball, can't help but carry it on the next level, can't help but reach more people? How can we live our lives in such a way like Paul said? I'm staying because of you. I'll 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 work through it. I'll do whatever it takes to stay because of you. And, uh, and he did that through difficult times, did that to pass the ball off well. So can we pray together? Can we honor Pastor Don today and pray together and, and bless you? Let's do that. Father, we thank you for people who do it well. God, we thank you for people who know how to pass the ball well, grow, keep growing, and then allow for the next generation to come up. I pray that we be that church, Lord. I pray that we never stop growing and we'd always make room for the next the next group. God, let our live let, let us live our lives in such a way that the next generation will chase what we knew. And we thank you for it and we'll give you honor because of it. In Jesus mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him honor this morning?